The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Kyle Brown coming at you on the On the Farm podcast on the Pitcherlist Podcast Network. Here to bring you all things minor league baseball, dynasty baseball, and anything related to those two things. Uh, I have an excellent person with me tonight, my man Trevor Hooth of Pitcherlist and Prospects Live. He has some dudes he wants to talk about. I have some dudes I want to talk about. But uh, before we get into that, man, how you doing, Trevor? What's going on in your world? Oh, I'm good. Uh, we just got sports back here uh, in the state that I live in, so it's been uh, crazy. I, you know, I work in radio for my actual real job, and uh, so I've been – I think I've called four games this week starting on Tuesday, so it's been pretty busy, but good. I'm excited to be here. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, of course, man. That, that is nice to get a little bit of that uh, that normalcy. I saw somebody posted on Twitter with the with the mask on the game. That's uh, that's fun. Though. I'm, I'm happy you're back in the saddle. Yeah, that's an interesting dynamic uh, with the mask on, uh, especially since I wear glasses. And if I get excited and I, I breathe too heavy, I can't see what's going on in the game. So controlling that's a little interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely 2021 problems for sure. I, I also share the glasses mask conundrum at times. Well, uh, so so what we're trying to do tonight for you is we just wanted to talk about essentially some guys outside of the top 100s that you're seeing dropped here and there and everywhere online, frankly. Just some players that either are people we want to highlight for deeper leagues, uh, players we think might advance their skill sets, uh, players whose lost development season might not have actually been a lost development season and is going to offer you an opportunity to buy low, whereas perhaps if they played last year, you would have lost out on that opportunity kind of thing. Um, and before we sort of really get into it, I just want to give any honorable mentions you want to shout out, guys that you just want to highlight but not necessarily go deep on, Trevor? Yeah, a couple of them. Um... For a couple different reasons. One is uh, Tanaj Thomas of the Pirates. Oh, yeah. Um, and I have no real helpful notes on him other than in the small amount of video that you can find online. He's a fun dude. Um, I, I think he's a, a high velo guy, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I think he's going to be a lot of fun. He's one of those guys who I think can make a huge jump coming up once he actually starts playing again um, this year. Another guy I want to shout out is Antoine Kelly of the Brewers. And that is because Kelly reportedly, and this is, is according to a, an article on The Athletic by Will Salmon, um, reportedly is coming back with a new changeup, and he's got a better feel for his changeup on top of a good fastball, on top of a developing slider, uh, his pitch mix could be very fun. And uh, I think he's definitely somebody worth keeping an eye on. Yeah. I mean, you, you certainly highlighted two guys who, who throw some serious heat. I know Tanaj. Tanaj is, uh, you know, I covered the Pirates over at, at Prospects 1500, and I'm a fan of that franchise uh, for better or for worse. And, yeah, Tanaj is someone I'm super excited about. He has touched 101. Uh, he's, and he's got some developing secondaries with some bite. 
Uh, it seems like he's the kind of guy that even if it doesn't necessarily work as a starter, uh, he should end up able to come out of the bullpen, throwing some gas. So, you know, I, I always like that, you know, you, you talk about reliever risk with guys and, and Kelly has some of that too, you know, depending on what he can develop in terms of the full arsenal. Um, but I like guys that have that at least as the floor, you know, it's, it's a nice little fallback when you can at the very least count on them for through maybe some innings out of the bullpen down the road that are going to come with what looks like a high amount of K's for both those guys. So, yeah, I think those are, uh, those are both really interesting names, Thomas, especially um, just because I think he's a little bit more advanced in the secondaries and he has shown the ability or at least started to at the end of 2019 to carry that velocity deeper into games. So both those guys, I, I certainly like. I'm uh, the guy that I sort of want to highlight for people would be Trevor Rogers uh, for Miami. You would have seen him in the majors last year, uh, not performing that well. Uh, the ERA, I believe, was over six, six point one one. But the expected stats that he produced were a lot better uh, than his ERA and his WHIP would would lead you to believe in terms of performance. And um, and you know a lot of his prospects stock from previous years was based on a fastball that wasn't nearly as, uh, as zippy as what he was able to produce last year. You know, he's getting into those mid nineties. So that's just, I feel like a lot of good things are happening in Miami pitching wise. So it seems like it's going to be the kind of, you know, it's the kind of place that's going to produce a lot more. You got six obviously, um, that, that came on the scene last year. And then you're also looking at, uh, at Edward Cabrera coming up this year, potentially. And some people say he might've been better than six yeah, and uh, you know the the development team in Miami's making things really fun down there, and so that that could be a, a really fun rotation when you talk about Sixto and Edward Cabrera, um, Rogers, and uh, of course now uh, Os- uh, not Osalasi, I'm sorry, Max Meyer. So that could be a really fun future rotation with all those guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I even like uh, Alicia Hernandez down there a little bit. He had a lat strain at the end of uh, last year, which isn't the best kind of injury to get as a pitcher. Not that there is a good one, but um, yeah, that's he's sort of a, a name that maybe a little four or five inning type of guy. Probably not going to be a six seven inning starter like uh, like your Sixto is. But yeah, Miami Miami is starting to feel like they're sneaking up on us again. You have that same feeling just in general, like they're just in the next two three years they just come out of nowhere and, and pop one of these World Serieses. They could, yeah. I think I don't know if it'll be sneaking up on us because they they've built up quite a farm system, a lot of fun names, and I think that the expectations were kind of low just because after they dumped Real Muto and Stanton and Yelich and Ozuna or lost Ozuna, they might have traded him. I don't even remember. It's been so long, but they just went full scorched earth, and so when they start to get good again, it's kind of like they're not. Su- Supposed to do that, but they've built up quite a farm system. They've developed them really, really well. I mean, they've made some interesting trades from from dealing Zach Gallon to Arizona in return for Jazz Chisel. Yeah, that was just a really interesting deal. Um, it might wind up working out for both sides. So they have some fun names, and I don't think it'll be surprising to see them start to make runs soon. Uh, probably not this year, but. You know, as early as next year, we could see some deep runs depending on how their pitching comes along. Yeah, and I I feel like depending on what happens with the expanded playoffs, that's the kind of team that could get in and with the pitching and, you know, with some of the stuff that's coming up in terms of hitters from, you know, Burdick and Vlade. Even like I'm even looking forward to Lewin Davis, Lewin Diaz this year, see what he can do. He wasn't so great last year, but I'm not going to not going to bear anyone on the small sample. But uh but yeah, I mean, let's uh, let's get right into it, dude. Who's uh, who's the first guy you sort of wanted to highlight outside of that top 100? Uh, Juan Then out of um, Seattle, a guy that I have been in on. I, I absolutely love. Uh, I was pointed his direction. Uh, I watched the starts that I could on MILB TV, and man, he is fun. Uh, and, and it is a mid 90s fastball. A plus pitch, I think he can he can live on that pitch, especially in the low minors where he was, uh, and he pairs it with a good slider, and that slider can get a lot of whiffs. He keeps it low in the zone well enough, and he's got a changeup as well that that is developing too. But um, overall, he's a fun pitcher to watch because of that fastball. And reportedly, he's up to ninety nine 
miles an hour at the alt site. Ooh. So he's gotten a velo jump. Uh, his stuff was looking sharp. The re- reports are always good. So he is looking like he could be another fun arm in Seattle uh, behind Logan Gilbert, Emerson Hancock, George Kirby. Uh, and then, I mean, you could slot Ben and White right behind him, theoretically. I know Sam Carlson's in that conversation too, but I think he could pop up and surprise a lot of people who aren't paying attention, but like prospects enough and start to realize who's in top 100s. There's very few guys. It's hard for me to label who could jump into a top 100. Yeah. But if, if 10 is actually up to 99 and he's got his slider and the changeup takes a step forward, like it reportedly has and, and, and looked like at the alternate site, I mean, he's a guy who could jump into to a top 100 and people wonder where he came from. But even if he doesn't, he's kind of a guy that I've had an eye on. I mean, I hold him, I'm holding him in leagues over uh, some of the other guys I'm going to talk about just because I think he's about to pop off. I mean, if he's throwing that kind of gas, uh, it really – he was already – I mean, the arsenal was already pretty solid. I, I watched what I could as well on, on you know, MILB TV, that beautiful – beautiful little website outlet we have to uh, watch old baseball and from the minor leagues. And I definitely, the, the fastball, it has that velocity and it also has a lot of life. You know, I saw some arm side run. It just had some, some pretty nasty movement. Um, I certainly liked just sort of his presence on the mound. I mean, he gets the ball and throws it. He is not messing around out there. And it just seemed like, honestly, it seemed like a lot of the bats were over before they even started against some of these minor leaguers. He would just come in gas, 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 tossing a little slider there. Now I like the slider as well. I, I did feel like I noticed in some starts that it was a little meh, you know, he didn't really, there was a couple of when it was on, I mean, it was, it was dropping out of the zone. It was generating whiffs like crazy when it was off. It was a little flat and meatball-y and just seemed to sort of sit there. So I, you know, if he can continue to develop both of that, uh, the, the slider and the changeup, because when that slider is on and maybe that added velocity is going to help him get the most out of that pitch. When that slider was on, it was nasty. And when it was off, you know, when any breaking ball is off, it, it, it can be a little hangy and a little meatball-y. So I just, that's the sort of something I saw. It's interesting too. The Mariners traded him away and then traded back for him. Yeah. And the second time around, he looked a lot better. And on the slider, of course, you know, adding in the fact that he's got to take step forward. He did have a tendency to leave it, you know, over the middle of the plate. That's when it gets beanball. That's when it looks mad. But you know, again, he was pitching in low A or in high A or A or whatever. One of the A's that was around last year. That's, <laughs> that's uh, you know, been cut this year, but, but he, uh, you know, like I said, when it was on, I mean, in one of his starts, um, he's playing the uh, Yankees affiliate and Cannon Smith actually just got traded to the pirate. Uh, yeah. Pirates. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. He came over. He uh, he was shaking his head after he saw that that slider, because there was just no shot. So, if he can get more consistency with that pitch, which again, all baked into, hopefully the uh, the Mariners who've done a good job are helping him develop. Again, he's a really fun guy, especially with his new added velocity. If he's up near 100, uh, I was told one time a comp, and I'm not a huge comp guy, but but just in terms of his pure stuff. I was told an Edwin Diaz comp, and I don't think I hate that a lot because uh, there might be some reliever risk with Ben, but I don't know. Edwin Diaz just seemed to fit when you watch the stuff, and he's he's just good, man. I, he's fun to watch, and uh, he's he's a guy that I'm really pulling for. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, you know, after watching his starts and getting in deeper, I like him a lot. I mean, he, what, it was a two-aggregate stats and – 2019 was a 298 ERA with 48 Ks and 48 innings, 13 walks and only two home runs allowed. So that was a, that's, that's not bad. And just in terms of outcome and, and scouting the stat line for sure. I mean, he, he gave me a little bit of a Ubaldo Jimenez vibes um, just uh, in terms of the fastball with that, with sort of that nasty movement. So man, if that's up to 99, that's going to be a big problem for everyone else. Um, yeah, right organization to be a part of for, for getting the most out of their pitchers. Absolutely. Um, well, the guy I wanted to talk about was, uh, his name is, is Andy Pajes, uh, spelled pages and he's, uh, he's from Cuba and he signed, uh, let's see in 2017 for 300 K just turned 20. He, you know, people like to talk about 
2019 in terms of uh, the Pioneer League and, and people that perform there and look at like Brenton Doyle and the gaudy numbers he put up. But, but Pa has put up some pretty impressive numbers in the Pioneer League. 298, 398, 651 on the, on the slug with 19 home runs, 22 doubles, 63 games. Now you want to take that with a grain of salt, right? Because here are the teams in their elevations in the Pioneer League. Missoula at 3,200, Idaho Falls at 4,700, Great Falls, 3,300, Billings, 3,100, Grand Junction, 4,500, Ogden, 4,300, Colorado Springs, 6,000 plus in Boise at 2730. So every single stadium you play in is, is elevated. So you want to take a little bit of, just take note of that when you're looking at those numbers. Uh, we don't have the Pioneer League going forward, but just when you're, you know, looking at players like Doyle and, and Paez, um, watching a lot of his at-bats, he definitely, well, he's super aggressive. Um, so he's, he's, he's swinging and missing a little bit. He swung at the first pitch in almost every at bat that I watched from him. Uh, he's, he's selling out a little bit for pull side power, um, but he's able to get to it. And I think, you know, his, his recognition, he's actually sort of a reverse platoon at the moment. Um, his, his recognition out of the, against right-handed pitching seemed a lot better seem to struggle a lot um, with the left-handed pitching, especially on breaking balls and, and balls um, low and away. That said, I did see him hit an opposite field home run, which looked really nice. The, the ball absolutely jumps off the bat, plays with a lot of swagger. He sort of reminds me a little bit of Alex Verdugo at the plate, uh, just in terms of his presence. But, uh, but yeah, you know, he, he hits a ton of fly balls. Uh, he got, he was up to 53% fly balls, uh, the fly ball percentage uh, in, in 2019. His line drive rate was high. The, it is, it's, I mean, when you watch him swing, it's very much geared for pull heavy in the air type of power. He knows what he's trying to do. I think if he can find the happy place between that aggression and the ability to recognize spin and recognize, you know, sort of command the zone a little bit more, he, he could absolutely, you know, pop off. And I, I like the organization that he's in. He's a Dodgers farmhand and they just seem to do well in terms of getting the most out of their, out of their players, you know, from, from what I can tell. So he was someone that I, I've seen pop up, you know, sort of outside the top 200 for some people. Um, he, he struggled initially when he, when he started playing professionally, but that last year in the pioneer league was, was quite something. Um, so yeah, that's sort of what I saw from him. Uh, he's, if you throw him a mistake, he's going to tag it. If you throw him a get me over fastball to go, Oh, one, he's going to tag it. He's up there to hit. Um, and so it'd be interesting to see how he can develop the ability to command the zone and maintain the ability to get to that power. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's sort of Andy Pajas. I, I was, I don't know how much projection he has in terms of how much weight he can add, but he's already got a lot of, a lot of pop in the bat. So I think for, for him, it just comes down to approach and learning how to get the most out of his ability to put, you know, a heavy bat on a ball uh, and, 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 you know, not, not hit pitchers pitches, not do too much chasing out of the zone and then just, you know, pitch recognition and, and handling left-handers better. Cause he's already tagging up righties, you know, pretty easily. Um, but he looked a little bit like a class above um, from, from a lot of the games that I was watching. So just a name to look at. I feel like he's a name that if he continues to hit the ball this hard, uh, this consistently, and the strikeouts don't balloon, he, you're going to see him popping up on more and more lists uh, for sure after this season. We'll see where the Dodgers sort of send him. But again, sort of, sort of like, uh, you know, Fenn and, and the Mariners, Pajas and the, and the Dodgers, it's, it's a good organization to be a part of in terms of getting the most out of your skills. You got to remember, though, he was probably without knowing the exact, uh, you know, average age of the Pioneer League. When you're watching those games in 2019, he's probably two, three years younger than everybody there. And I know Absolutely. that there's argument of, of how much that actually means, but it does mean something, especially when you're talking about a guy who's, what, 18, 19, playing against 21-year-olds. Power's going to be to the pull side. I mean, that's, you know, you're playing against amateurs forever. That's You just pull the ball because you could do that. Uh, it also probably means that the breaking balls are going to be a lot better than he's seen. There's going to be stuff, to, you know, that, that needs to happen there. But um, his swing has a ton of waft in it. Um, he's got really good hands in terms of plus bat speed. So, um, yeah, those fly ball rates are always going to be high. He's going to have swing and miss in his approach, I think, just based on what a swing looks like. 
Um, I, that will might die down a little as he starts to see better breaking balls and and adjust to them. But I don't think that'll ever quite go away. Um, he's going to be able to go to the opposite field, though, I think. Um, I, I'm not really worried about him being able to use the whole field and, and reach his power there. So Pahe's definitely a guy who could pop up at any point in time. It could be this year. It could be two years down the road. But there's got to be a time when he puts it together, I think, and uh, and people start to know his name more because he's, his swing is so pretty. It's so smooth. It's so fast. But there's just some uh, there's just some things that that are going to get exposed when you're an 18 year old playing against competition so older. I mean, that's the same thing with uh, Eric Pardinho on the uh, from the Blue Jays organization. He was 18 playing in the Midwest League. Like, there's just some things that are going to get exposed, and so you're going to not look as good as people think that you are or that you actually are because you're playing competition a few years older. So, with Pajes. Some of the negatives, I would say, come from that. But he's a good, he's good, he's a fun watch. I, I mean, really, sincerely, he's a fun guy to watch. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And he did sort of sneak. He definitely got uh, in one of the the games I watched. He just took a, a low and outside fastball the opposite way. Easy, easy power. You know, like he it just bet on the ball and, and it just rocketed out. It wasn't even a question. But it didn't look like some sort of overly aggressive swing. It was just I just put my bad head down let the bad path do it. And, 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 you know, there she went. So, but uh, moving right along, who you got next there, bud? Uh, yeah. Another guy that I like a lot and, and like a lot more after he was traded, that is Joey Cantillo. Uh, Joey Cantillo was drafted by the Padres. He was sent over to Cleveland in the uh, Mike Clevenger deal at, uh, at the trade deadline. And man, he is a lot of fun to watch. His changeup is above average, if not plus. Uh, he's a lefty, so a lefty with a great changeup. He's got fantastic control uh, of, of all of his pitches. His fastball might be his worst pitch at this point, and I think that for him to really take a step forward, he's got to find a way to add a tick or two to that fastball. But, you know, he can still top out at 94. More often, he's, he's sitting in the uh, high 80s, low 90s, depending on the radar gun. But he's, he's uh, you know, 6'4". He was a 16th-round draft pick, so he has already popped up on a lot of people's list because 16-round draft picks aren't supposed to be doing what he was doing. But his play has been was so good um, up through the Midwest League and, and a little higher that he's forced his name to become a thing. And when you talk about what he can do, he has good extension and yep. good extension is something that the Indians development team looks for. It's something they love. And so you really feel good about them being able to build with Cantillo, especially considering that he's got a decent curveball and changeup, and the fastball is, is what needs to take a step forward for him to take an ultimate step forward. So Cantillo is a guy who could be really, really fun. Um, there's some funk in the delivery, but, Man, I, I, I'm a big believer in Joey Cantillo. I know that I wrote a piece on him for Prospects Live several months ago, and, and uh, I used the word dreamy changeup in the title because that thing is good when it is on and nobody can touch it. I mean, he could pretty much just live on the changeup. I don't recommend him doing that, but, <laughs> but it seemed like he could because nobody could touch it. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely the case. I, I watched a bunch of his starts. The changeup is just befuddling every single person uh, that's up at play. It, it just, you know, and he goes to it a lot. He knows what he's doing. And yeah, the fastball needs some velocity. The, you know, the Indians have been pretty solid to, to get the most out of, uh, of you know, fastballs. They got a lot of weak fastball guys, right? Like Savale, Plesak. I mean, Bieber's fastball wasn't always what it was, you know, the last couple of years. So in terms of, yeah, you're right, getting to the proper organization to develop a pitcher like this, Cantillo you know, found his way out of San Diego and into Cleveland. And that's, I think that's only going to be good for him. Good for fantasy owners. Yeah. I mean that, that 16th round draft pick sort of have to wonder, right. Cause he's got the size, he's got the body, he's got the feel, you know, it's almost like, was it just that he's from Hawaii? Was that, you know, like not enough scouts are traveling to Hawaii to watch dudes. Cause it's, he snuck up. Yeah. It, it's being from Hawaii didn't help um, because it's hard to get out there. It's, it's, 
not a known commodity. I mean, really, and I'm sure that I, I'm wrong, but I can only think of two other players who were drafted out of Hawaii. And, and uh, one of them, I believe, would be Colton Wong, who was just signed with the Brewers. Yeah. Um, the other is uh, Cody Medeiros, who was a first-round draft pick for the Brewers, actually. <laughs> uh, Wong went to the Cardinals, obviously, initially. But it's just hard to get out there and hard for scouts to get eyes on it. I, I think there are some area code games, but that, that didn't help his status. Also, he definitely took a step forward once he, he reached the professional ranks. And um, so it was good on the Padres to see the talent there and, and be able to uh, develop it a little bit. And I'm really happy he's with the Indians now or with the Cleveland baseball team. I'm sorry uh, to be able to take a, hopefully they can help him take another step forward and, and reach unlock that next level because you could get a, just in terms of real life for a minute, you could get realistically at his absolute best, if everything clicks, which is almost never the case for anybody in baseball, unfortunately, you might be able to get a mid-rotation starter. But but even if it doesn't, he probably has the pitch mix to be a back-end starter if he can get another tick or two on the fastball. And, and if any organization is going to do that, based on how Cantillo is, and this is based on his delivery and all that, it's got to be Cleveland. No, I, I totally agree. The only other player that I can think of out of Hawaii was actually taken by the Twins this year. And I do not know how to pronounce his first name because it has an apostrophe and a lot of stuff going on. Kalai Rosario, just like a giant power dude. But yeah, but, and I'm curious, I want to, you mentioned the delivery before we move on to the next guy. I feel like, you know, when I was watching Cantillo pitch, I couldn't tell if it was just sort of a large body that had to move different pieces sort of all in sequence, or if it would be something that the technical term might be herky jerky, you know? So it, it wasn't, it wasn't so, I didn't watch it and, and I wasn't put off by the, by the delivery, but it was something that I, it sort of stood out, right? Like when you compare it to Then Then was just easy, boom, 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 not like nothing out of, it just looked pretty. And Cantillo looked a little bit more like he was piecing it together each time. You, you sort of feel that way? Yeah, it's kind of a sequence delivery. It seems like there's certain spots he's trying to hit every single time, and and it's not a it's not high effort when you when you know, when you say herky jerky, which which it kind of is. It's not high effort. It's pretty efficient. It's weirdly repeatable. Yeah, but it's just funky, and and that helps him hide the ball during delivery. It helps him create more deception with the changeup with the curveball even with his fastball. So the delivery certainly helps as long as he can repeat it, which it is a repeatable delivery doesn't mean obviously that he does, but, but you know, there, there's the potential there that he could. And it's not something you look at and you're like, that's the smoothest thing I've ever seen, but it's also not like you see it and you're like, that is terrible. I don't think he can pitch ever again because he's going to break everything in his body. So it, it's kind of somewhere in the middle where it's, it's different enough that it helps him and, um, it certainly is noticeable that it's not it's not a smooth throughout delivery, but I would use the word sequenced more than anything else, I think. Yeah, and I mean, hey, he, he ate up hitters left and right. I think it was 144 Ks in the 111 innings, some, something around there. So Cantillo, definitely someone to watch, especially now that he is with the Cleveland baseball team. Can't wait till we have a uh, some sort of new name for that squad. It'll be, be fun to see what they come up with. Yeah, I... I still taking bets that they and Washington aren't even going to come up with a new name. We're just going to have the Washington football team and the uh, Cleveland baseball team. And that's going to be it. I mean, it's certainly, that'd be interesting. I mean, it'll keep, <laughs> it'll keep everyone talking about it for a little bit. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, my next guy is also out of Cleveland. Um, I'm not sure if it's Angel Martinez or on hell. It's probably on hell. Uh, he is a small little switch hitting middle infielder. So shocking that he is a part of the Cleveland baseball team because they seem to have every little contact oriented switch hitting middle infielder in baseball almost. But yeah, he's uh, he's still just 19. Uh, he, you know, he's, he, there isn't much game footage on him. So I just want to be upfront there. What I was able to, to grab on video, you know, I like the body. It's a little bit more muscular. It's not quite as wiry as if you will, as like a brand Rocchio. Um, he doesn't look this tiny guy. Definitely seems like he's added some weight because these are from, you know, 2019, 2020 videos. But I feel like everyone is 
talking about guys like Alexi Planez and Gabriel Rodriguez and Brian Rocchio and Aaron Bracho and all those dudes are, you know, players to talk about, but Martinez to me seems to be someone who's got a lot of, he could come out if Planez and Rodriguez don't work out because of the, the various flaws that they have. It seems like Martinez has a more well-rounded game and part of that is defense, but you know, defense can help you get to the major leagues, which is something that we want to obviously note when it comes to fantasy, when we're, when we're searching for prospects. Um, but so far he's shown good, you know, command of the zone. Uh, the, the swing from both sides looks good and clean. Uh, it's, it's pretty much a mirror image, 11% walk rate, uh, 11% K rate, stole 11 bases, caught five times. We'll see if that speed continues to be there. It, it is above average right now, but if he bulks up too much, he could lose some of that. You know, not much power going on at the moment. Obviously, still a very young kid. Uh, he came in listed as at six foot and 165. I think he's definitely more than that. But uh, but you know he's using the speed on the base paths. He's got uh, he's got ten doubles. He's got seven triples. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Rocchio, uh, but he's beefier. And yeah, uh, all the reports are are solid, right? On bat speed, on on his ability to command the zone and have a little bit better approach. Uh, he's, he's spraying the ball all fields. His defense is above average. So for me, this is one of those guys who. If he had played last year, I think he would have performed well stateside, um, just based on the skill set he's coming with and sort of the baseline he has. So this might be, and you know, also these middle infielders tend to get a little bit more helium than elsewhere because they are coming out of Cleveland. And let's say, you know, everyone last year was talking about Alexi Planez. He was sort of the hot thing before, you know, COVID shut us all out of the minor leagues. Um, and Gabriel Rodriguez got a bigger signing bonus and, you know, He's got a little bit more potential power, but Martinez is the kind of guy that I, I think when those flaws get exposed, I'm not really a Planez guy. He's going to be one that, that rises in that organization. I had him 16th overall on my Indians list for pitcher list this year. I had um, Cantillo one, one spot above him. So that's, you know, this, these are, these are the guys I'm trying to highlight guys that if we had gotten the minor leagues last year, he probably, I don't think Martinez would be, would be anywhere near scratching top 100 lists, but you'd be seeing him on maybe top 200s, top 250s. And, and it, you know, with that sort of well-rounded approach, I think he's going to perform well in the minor leagues as until he gets to some, some serious advanced competition. We'll see if the back can hold up then. But those are the kind of guys I want to highlight. The stock is rising, you know, type of guys who that lost season maybe is going to hide them a little bit more than, uh, than sort of your average bear. Yeah, uh, I, you know, based on who my next my next guy is, I'm not going to be one to tell you that you're wrong for liking a dude. Um, I'm not as high on Martinez as you are. I, for a couple reasons, there's one, there are roughly 7,000 middle infielders who are prospects in the, in the Cleveland organization. Um, that's just something that they love. 7,001, um, actually. They just added another one as we yeah, were doing this pod. Seriously. But, but uh, you know, he's, he's, you know, again, you mentioned he's a switch hitter. The swing looks good from both sides. He's fast. The speed helps. I don't, I don't know how much I believe in the bat. And the, the hit tool's probably going to be fine and it'll be good enough the power might not ever project into something more than doubles power. Um, you know, he looked like he got bigger from 2019 to, to the very limited 2020 video. looks like he added some muscle. So there, therein lies some more power, but all in all, um, I don't, I don't know how it's going to play. I won't be surprised if it does play, but I, I think at best, uh, I, I agree with my, with, uh, Joe Drake, I have, I have his uh, prospects live evaluation pulled up here, and I agree with uh, Joe Drake, who does a great job. That that I think he's he's a forty OFP forty role guy, which which isn't bad. I mean, that's still a, a major leaguer, but it's more of a bench player platoon type. I don't know that he ever progresses into anything, so he might take some steps forward. I just I I'm wary of how many. Yeah, uh, and obviously I can be swayed if he starts to do that at higher levels. Because there, there definitely are some uh, skills there, and I'm not saying there there aren't, but it's just he's he's a guy who's going to be, I think, interesting to watch. Um, I just don't know how much is going to come of it personally. But again, based on who the guy I'm about to talk about, because I am definitely the highest on him, 
<laughs> I can't say anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to oversell Martinez, you know, um, when it when it comes to what might be what I what I do tend to gravitate towards, you know, especially when we're thinking about fantasy, are are players that can produce well at the minor league level to a certain you know, once they reach a certain, there's going to be a plateau potentially, but I, I tend to like those times and types of guys over more of a boomer bust type of prospect, simply because it generally is going to give me more options to move off of the player. Should I think that, Hey, maybe they're going to sort of end up pretty average and it's not going to work out, but I need to capitalize on the stats that they're putting up in the minor leagues right now. I can sell the fact that they're a part of the Cleveland organization and, you know, like all of these guys have come up. So, you know, that's, that's sort of also part of the game with, with Martinez is again, trying to find some, a stock that's going to rise that maybe they're not going to top out as, as an elite player or anything close to that, but they are going to give you not a zero, you know, you're not taking a guy that is just, you know, sort of think of like a Will Benson, right? Like a guy that's just got light tower power, but cannot put the bat on the ball. You can't trade Will Benson for a loaf of bread right now. um, You know, in a dynasty league, simply because the, the, the stats of, you know, you're working with guys who are not going that deep and are just sort of scouting the stat line. You're not gonna be able to sell him at all. Martinez, if he comes up and he's not striking out and he's still walking some and he's still getting some steals and that, that the average hasn't taken the hit yet because his hit tool hasn't been exposed, he's someone that you're going to have the ability to flip, toss on a deal, make something happen. So that's that's also part of the equation for me when it comes to highlighting guys. Um, and, you know, I, I like guys that don't strike out. Uh, and so we'll see what happens when he comes stateside. We'll get some much, much, much better looks. I'm a little bit more bullish than, uh, than, than Joe is. Um, but yeah, I do respect Joe Drake a lot. Uh, he knows how to evaluate players and, uh, he reads more books than any person I know, uh, for sure. So many books, right? It's crazy, dude. Joe, how do you even, I don't even know how it's done every, every day on Twitter. It's like, I knocked out another book NBD. Yeah. He's going to keep you keeping a, a thread of all the books he reads this year, but yeah, Joe's really good. And, and, uh, um, not striking out always a good thing especially with stats and really this is probably where you and I, I have disconnect is it's great when people put up stats in the um, in the DSL. Yeah. But it's also very, it can be very misleading because, because some of those guys to a lot of those guys may never make it stateside uh, and keep moving up those lists. So I'm always wary of those numbers unless they are utterly ridiculously high example being junior Perez, who was, also in the Padres organizations now with the uh, athletics. And I definitely fell in love with Junior Perez just based on his DSL numbers. So there are some cases, but, but uh, yeah, I, I just, I'd like to see more stateside, I think, before I, I really start to put anything higher than the, the 40 40 that, uh, that Joe saw. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's totally fair. Um, I guess what you sort of said there about those stats being misleading that's a little bit of that space I'm trying to capitalize on when it comes to the sort of the fantasy aspect of it. But I, I, I totally agree. I mean, DSL stats, you, you can't run with them. If you want to go and, and search the overall numbers in the DSL and find some dudes that are putting up, you know, what would almost be described as video game numbers, there's going to be more to the story and you really can't trust them. It's a nice starting, you know, starting point to maybe put them on a list for you to check back in on. But yeah, I, I think it's totally fair to be conservative on Martinez. He's just someone that I have a small affinity for, so I wanted to chat about him. I totally get that. Um, speaking of small affinities based on uh, what, what's about to happen. Oh, my. Yeah, so I'm just going to jump in. I don't even need you to introduce me and ask me to, t- to talk about my next guy. But anybody who follows me on Twitter or has had any sort of conversation with me about prospects probably understands what's about to happen. Uh, Bryant Packard. Ooh. Yes, Detroit Tigers, uh, I'm going to say outfielder for now, but he was getting work at, uh, at first base at uh, Instructs, and that makes a lot of sense, I think. My guy just hits. I, I, I have nothing else to say, but I, I love Brian Packard. I'm like the president of his hype club, unofficially, of course. But he just hits, and, and his strikeout rates are, are – High, if you look at just his draft year, which was 2019, so we have one year of numbers to look at. Actually watching him, you know, he does swing and miss when he sees he sees good 
spin, good, you know, breaking balls that could be curveball slider. But for the most part, I think he's got a, a good feel for the zone. I think that he can recognize the spin pretty well. Um, I think at times he got too patient. I think that's that inflated his numbers, his strikeout numbers a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he comes back and the strikeout numbers remain where they are. But I think they're inflated a little bit, and I think they'll come down. He's just so fun to watch. And, and, and really, I fell in love with how smooth the swing is. He likes to attack early in the count. I mean, I remember really the first game I watched him, I was all excited because it was going to be Riley Green making his Midwest League debut. And I'm like, well, definitely got to watch that. And then all of a sudden, you know, Brian Packard comes to the plate, just puts a great swing on a ball. I'm like, oh, you know, uh, that's that's Packard. I hadn't seen Packard before. Uh, I'm going to keep an eye on him. He comes around the next time, puts a great swing on the ball. And I'm like, this dude is so good. <laughs> so I started diving through uh, uh, anything I could find on him, and it's just a beautiful swing. He was He's just a hitter. I don't know how else to describe it. It's not the best description of, and the best uh, argument of anything, but I think he's just a hitter. I, I think it's a above-average hit, above-average power when it's all said and done, if not one of those jumping up to plus territory. Probably not both, but I think one of them could jump up to plus plus territory. The issue is that I don't know where he's going to play on the field. I think that he is probably destined to be a first baseman just based on, you know, his fielding ability, his his arm. He might be able to to hang out in left field for a while, but he's not going to blow anybody away defensively on that side of the ball. So the positional stuff kind of hurts, but... Again, Tiger's trying him out of first base. I think that makes sense. I think he'd be great as a first baseman, especially with Spencer Torkelson being a third baseman now, reportedly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's a fun watch if you're if you're just looking for somebody to like find on MILB. Like, go watch Brian Packard. I think he's a lot of fun to watch, and I think he's gonna hit. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think your uh, your love of the dude is 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 warranted. And I think, you know, there's not really much I can add. You're, you're spot on. Like you say, he's just a hitter, you know, he's, and he's with the, the power potential that he, you know, he, he could have, he does have, it's, it's a, it's a little bit more than what you would call a professional hitter, right? Like it's, it's got a little bit more juice than that. Um, he seems to really know what he's doing up there. Um, and so it just comes down to, yeah, where he's going to play on the diamond. If he's going to play at all, if he's going to be a DH, we'll see how the Torkelson third base sort of thing happens or not have, you know, whatever it is, but, uh, you know, Miguel Cabrera is still there and that'll be over soon, you know, for the, for the Tigers. And, and they'll sort of be really into this next wave of, of talent, which is going to, there's a lot of guys coming up for that, for that team. So Packard is definitely one that you're not going to hear with the greens and the screwballs and the, the mises and the whole, that sort of upper class that they have. Um, and I do like green a lot, but yeah, man, Packard is good. Uh, and I think he's going to make it to the majors and it just sort of comes down to, can he get the most out of what he does? And based on what I've seen so far, I think it's very much in the cards. Yeah. And I'm really excited. If you, if you've seen the videos of him recently, it looks like, and this is just speculation based off videos on Twitter. It looks like he is, and I'm going to pull out the cliche. Everybody loves best shape of his life. Oh man. Yeah, no, he, it, no, but it does look like he he's, he's, gotten into a different type of, of, of playing shape. And I'm excited to see what that does to his game. It, it seems like he's gotten more fit and, and maybe that's just me, but, but it, it looks like he's noticeably more fit and I'm very excited to see if that helps him when it's all said and done. I, I'm not worried about, you know, I don't know. I'm just not worried about, I think, cause he's got his power to all fields. He can hit to all fields. He can go with the pitch He's just fun to watch. I, I, I'm running out of things to say about him because it's just it's he's one of my favorite watchers. I go back and just watch his games because he does so well at the plate. You know, he's playing in the Midwest League and it seemed like any game that you can pull up, he does something that you're just like, OK, like, w what is he doing in the Midwest League? And yeah. obviously, when you're coming in out of college, he came out of uh, East Carolina, which, by the way, apparently I just have an affinity for East Carolina outfielders between him and uh, Dwanya Williams Sutton in the Padres organization, 
I I don't I have not watched anything on Alec Burleson in the Cardinals. They just drafted him, but apparently I like him. And then I was doing a uh, you can listen to it the Prospects Live podcast for the Arizona organization. And you know at the end you uh, I always ask for one prospect that you think can make a jump. And like I know next to nothing. Well, I know more now, but going into that, I knew next to nothing about the Arizona system. And I said, I'm just going to throw out my guy real quick. It's Spencer Brickhouse. <laughs> and I chose him clearly because of his last name. Well, it turns out he went to ECU also. So apparently I just like ECU outfielders, but that's beside the point, you know, Packard came in with a very advanced approach and a very advanced ability at the plate. And I think that's why uh, he always sticks out to me whenever I watch that, uh, that video. And also, Western Michigan, the Whitecaps, they're just, they were a fun team at a lot of different points in that year. When you talk about who you could see, especially if you're going back to 2019, I mean, you could see Cody Clemens, you could see Ulrich Boryarski, you know, uh, on the pitching side. Um, I'm blanking on his name, Wilkel Hernandez. Uh, and of course, my guy, Hugh Smith, who I'm the only person who's in on Hugh Smith, the 6'10 former Division three pitcher, who is a lot of fun. You got to watch Hugh Smith. You got to tell me what six, you think. 6'10. Is he, he might be six, eight or six. I mean, nine. whatever he's, it is, if he's taller than O'Neill Cruz, I'm tuning in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you definitely need to watch him. I love me some Hugh Smith. But yeah, so he's he's just he was a lot of fun to watch along with the rest of that that Western Michigan team. So, dude hits, and that's that's what I'm gonna leave you with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, if 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 what he has to work on and what he has to get better at to sort of get to that next level is just spin recognition. That's something that uh, he's. I think he's going to be able to to do. It's only that's the kind of thing that should get better. There's going to be analytical tools out there um, for him to to advance that. So if that's really the only thing holding him back, you know, the the, the future is bright. And yeah, man, I've I've been to actually to to that West uh, Michigan Whitecaps Stadium. One of the only places that I went to where I was worried about getting a ticket as I drove up to the game. It's it's kind of one of those electric, similar to Dayton. Like I think Dayton sold out. I don't know, like 10 years in a row or something like that, but it just has, you can tell that they really care in Grand Rapids about that team. And uh, yeah, so I gotta be a fun place to play. And, and obviously the, the talent there is, is, is next level. So. And it's going to be interesting to see if the same guys are in West Michigan because of the new redistribution, I guess, of, of minor leagues is what I'll call it to be nice. Yeah. Redistricting. Uh, yeah. They, um, they got a promotion because the whole mess Midwest league got a promotion uh, up one one rung so uh, they could see a lot of the same guys and also Hugh Smith confirmed 6'10 214 is what he's listed at oh my yeah I'm gonna be hopping on MILB TV right after this because that's just something I need to see yeah he's fun yeah. so you got one more guy right yeah I got one more guy I want to talk about um, we shall see so he's this guy is part of the the wave of talent that is currently maturing for the Giants uh, Luis Toribio he was signed for 300K in 2017. Uh, and what I initially was drawn to with Toribio, and I mean, hey, I know I can't just be a stat guy. I'm trying not to just be a stat guy. And I will not just be a stat guy as this continues. But that said, um, he actually has been stateside. Uh, I, I was tuned into him a little bit when he had an 80% walk rate in the DSL. But again, it's the DSL. So he comes stateside and he plays in the Arizona League for a year. And his power did take a bit of a hit. But he put up a 19.2% walk rate in the Arizona League stateside against better competition. He's a lefty. He's got some pop in the bat. He definitely knows what he's doing at the plate, what he's looking for. He's not that walk rate doesn't come with super passivity issues. Um, as far as I can tell, you know, some with someone like maybe Nolan Jones that happens, but anyway, there again is not that much. Um, I wasn't able to get too much game footage of him. There is no speed. The defense is iffy. He might have to get buried at second base. That's going to be a problem. There is a little bit of room to add to his frame right now. Um, and you know, like a lot of guys, he's, he's pull heavy at the moment, but he's just someone, you know, the, the organization has been very successful with Alexander Canario, you know, his labrum injury, uh, notwithstanding Louis Matos, Hunter Bishop, Marco Luciano, obviously seems like people have all forgotten about Helio Ramos, but he's still there. He's still got a lot of pop. I like, I like what is happening in San Francisco. And, and that's something that I'm gravitating more this year, more and more is sort of the, the organizations that are able to do it right 
and that know what they're looking for and then have shown the ability to get more out of that profile. And it seems like Toribio fits the San Francisco model as it currently stands. And so he's just someone like, again, I want to highlight him because that type of profile, if it continues to, to perform in that way, I mean, I play in a lot of OBP leagues. I like that, that, that level. So it's just something that if he can continue doing that, if he can continue to tap into a little bit more of that power, he's got some room to add some weight, you know, the, the, the holes in his game right now are not things that I'm super concerned with fantasy wise. So Luis Toribio, I, I like him. Uh, I like what he's doing at the plate. I like the power potential, but I like the organization and I like the pattern that I see in San Francisco in general. So he's just another guy that I wanted to mention. Yeah, I I like Toribio um, quite a bit. He he's uh, it's surprising. He actually doesn't have a, a quiet. You know, his hands aren't too quiet through the loads. Usually, turns me off on guys, but but Toribio's pretty fun and. Obviously, quiet through load is just a preference thing because yeah. as long as your hands get to the right places and you can get get the hands going, um, it's just to me more visually pleasing when you have when you're calm and you're not you know moving your hands around and all that stuff. Um, and, and as he goes through, he's got a pretty high leg kick trigger, and as he triggers, his, he's got a couple of uh, little not hitches, but his hands flick his wrist flick a couple times um, on his way out still. Gets to the right spots. He's got quick hands, and I think that's what's helping him a lot. Uh, I think the power is real. I don't have a ton to add on on Toribio, but but I think there definitely is something there, especially if you just want to go on Twitter and type in his name, look up videos. Everybody's in, as reliable as you want to think these these accounts are, but there's so many just reports of him of of exit velos over 100 miles an hour, 109, 111, I think was the highest I saw. So the power's certainly real and, and if he is posting these exit velos over 100 miles an hour and he can start to do that consistently i mean hey you got something obviously you know consistently over 100 is, is going to be something amazing but the fact that he can do it i think is is what i'm trying to point to so um yeah toribio certainly a guy I, I agree with you that that might be worth watching yeah i mean if if it, you know anything anything in that range exit velo wise at this age is just like oh i need to uh, keep an eye on him and with canario being out most of this year you know with the the shoulder injury that he incurred at the end of i mean literally the last week of instructs Toribio just seems like a guy who could take that step forward and is sort of right now lost in, in a, you know the giants are awash with with a lot of those types of players so just just keep an eye out on him i think he could be a riser and i liked that his walk rate actually improved when he came stateside and it didn't come with you know sometimes we can see a big bump in in, in strikeouts when you go from the dsl to the stateside debut just because you're dealing with a lot better stuff. And we didn't really see that. It was pretty consistent. So struggles a little bit against lefties right now, but with the approach and, you know, sort of with, with the, the total package, I'm not super concerned with it. And there hasn't been enough data yet to, to go wild there anyway. So yeah, man, uh, those are, those are our dudes. I, uh, I, I thank you for coming on to, to talk about Brian Packard even more. I think, there's almost no way that I can't become a Brian Packard fan at this point, simply through osmosis. Um, but, uh, but yeah, dude, I, I actually have one more thing I want to do. Uh, it's, it's a little prospect survivor. All I right. want to, uh, I want to give you a few names and I want you to tell me who you're voting off. So you got to leave one person out of this, out of this group off last, last, uh, last episode. I did this with Adam Lawler and, and he doesn't like pitching prospects. So he just immediately killed the pitching prospect. And I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to let that happen again. So I got four pitching prospects all roughly swirling around the same areas of lists. And there's some variance there. Anyway, we'll just get right to it. We got four names. The, the aforementioned Edward Cabrera of Miami, Clark Schmidt of the New York Yankees, DL Hall of the Baltimore Orioles. A lot of good stuff happening in Baltimore right now. And then Nick Lodolo, of the Cincinnati Reds, who are you voting off the island tonight? Whose torch are you snuffing? Uh, Clark Schmidt. Uh, that was fairly easy. Um, not because Clark Schmidt is, is bad by any means. D.L. Hall is, there's really good reports on him right now. So clearly I'm keeping D.L. Hall. He might be my favorite of the bunch. Um, Edward Cabrera. 
I have been talked into. I haven't really honestly seen a bunch of Cabrera, but but from people I trust saying things about him, it's going to be very hard for me not to become an Edward Cabrera fan. Um, he's certainly on my on my list to uh, to dive into coming up because there's only so many players that I can watch uh, all at once. Some guys just fall through the cracks. It's true. Um, and, and so Edward Cabrera is a guy I want to keep around. And then Nick Lodolo is so fun. I mean, he's so fun. We talk about his fastball. Um, I love that Dayton, he was playing in Dayton, and we got one start that we can watch from Nick Lodolo, maybe two if I remember on MILB TV. Um, but his slider is so good. I mean, he is so much fun to watch. So I'm going to go with Clark Schmidt, and, and, and it's unfortunate for Clark Schmidt to be that fourth guy on this list because really the reason that it was so easy is because of all the conversations you have to have of Clark Schmidt or Debbie Garcia, Clark Schmidt or Debbie Garcia. I mean, every time one, one thing happens with one of them, the other one comes up. Oh, well, do you prefer him over Clark? Or do you prefer Clark Schmidt over Debbie Garcia? Or do you prefer Garcia over Schmidt? And I prefer Garcia. So Clark Schmidt has always just kind of been not that I think he's, you know, I, I think he's great. I, I wish him the best, obviously, but he's just always kind of been that guy that, I'm like, well, if you're going to keep bringing up Garcia, I'm going to keep having to downplay Schmidt. So it's just one of those things where I buy my, when I hear his name, I'm thinking downplay, knowing obviously that he's actually good, but I'm just thinking downplay. So that's why it was such an easy, uh, easy call for me. I haven't played prospect survivor survivor before. Do you also vote somebody off now? I do, do you pick one of those four. I do. Yeah, no, I, I, I do. Um, you know, it was sort of closer for me. Uh, with Lodolo and Schmidt and that was again right like that's sort of the thing with prospect survivor is that you have to make a tough call I'm not going to give you like three names that are good and one name that are bad it's it's going to be iffy and and for me the edge goes to Lodolo in terms of staying on the island because like like you said the fastball the slider there's been some reports on the fastball being not as amazing as before but he backs this up with like just incredible control and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure him and Kirby didn't walk a guy in their debut, um, a George Kirby, that is. I, I think your, your point about David Garcia and, and Clark Schmidt is, is salient. And it should be Clark Schmidt time in New York, and yet they keep trying to not make it Clark Schmidt time. And so that's another thing where I'm like, eh, I'm going to try to take note of that. The Yankees usually don't mess around when it comes to those things. So. Yeah, Clark Schmidt for me was also the dude. So we are in lockstep when it comes to that. Uh, yeah, and I mean Edward Cabrera. I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. DL Hall. Yeah, he's got those high walk rates, but like he's young. I'm not too worried about that. This stuff apparently is just otherworldly for DL Hall. So I'm when it comes to trying to put it all together to who to vote off. I think Lodolo was worried a little bit. He was concerned. He brought his bag you know, to, to the tribal council. But at the end of the day, Schmidt's going home. Of the four, I think he might be, it is a tough choice. So just to, to go on the other end of this here and surprise you and go against all the rules of your podcast. Oh my word. I'm going to throw out four names because we got to get bats in here too. We can't just do arms. And I feel like we've done a lot of arms. It's true. Um, (laughs) This might be super easy. It might be hard depending on your affinity, Uh, And literally, these are just going to be top, top guys. So I'm pulling all like the top four shortstops, in my opinion. So Wander Franco, Marco Luciano, CJ Abrams, Bobby Witt Jr. Wow. (laughs) It's like you're in the finals of the toughest season. This is savage. This is this is this is all stars. This is this is Robin Amber. This is tough, man. Um, Interesting. Well, my knee jerk reaction there is Bobby Witt. Luciano looks to be I, – I, I can't even put into words how good Luciano looks. I mean, I don't know if I believe that 119 exit velo he posted last year, but whatever. If you take three miles off of that, four miles off that, you're in like Giancarlo Stanton range. Uh, Luciano – I mean, Luciano is like a perfect prospect for me, so it's not going to be him. It's not going to be Wander. I'm, I'm still huge on Wander. I, I think he's doing insane things. I, I'm not ready to, to, to sort of bury him on, on launch angle or anything like that. His contact percentages are, are still insane. So I think he can give up 10% of contact percentage and get a lot more out of it. I, I just, I'm not yet ready to buy into some of the, 
question marks when it comes to, to him, especially long-term. C.J. Abrams is just He's my type of player. I love a dude who, no matter where he is, if he's on first, second, third, at the dish, in the field, he, he's a problem. He's, he's an issue for everyone else. You can never take your eyes off of C.J. Abrams. Um, and I, I, I think we're going to get a little bit more power out of him as well. But if he sort of ends up being a little bit more on the Corbin carroll side of things with maybe, I don't know, 10 to 20 home runs, 20 is maybe, maybe high. Uh, but so much stolen base potential and then just super fun to watch again. It's, it's Sophie's choice, right? Like it's, it's not that Bobby Witt isn't, isn't so much fun to watch, but I don't love the organization that Bobby Witt has found himself in, in terms of getting the most out of their players, especially players with just a hint of swing and miss. And yeah. So really when it comes down to it, God, man, you really went, you really went upper crust on me, dude. That was, that's harsh. I mean, if I have all these dudes on a fantasy team, everyone's just salivating, but for me, it unfortunately would be Bobby Witt. I, I just, I haven't seen as much to like as I have from the other three. There it is. All right. Well, I guess I can't argue that. I did that for a reason. I pulled those four out for a reason and it was to be as mean as possible. No, um, <laughs> I, I figured you would go Witt. Um, I'm going to disagree personally between the four. Um, obviously, I think that even when I'm asking that, I think it's obvious that Wander and Luciano are safe. Um, so really the decision that you'd have to make is between Abrams and Witt. And I think that it's it's pretty, you know, it, it's certainly understandable that Witt goes, I, I might go Abrams personally. And and I think that it's t- it is it's very tough um, to to make that decision Obviously, they're all really good. Yeah. I think I go wit because I, I think personally that I see a higher floor. And that is weird for me because I am always about the ceiling with, with high variance. Because I think I see a higher floor with wit just based on his makeup out of, as, as a prep bat. And, and a lot of things that are already there. Um, and, and I think he's got such quick hands. And I, I guess I'm a sucker for quick hands. Abrams has a lot of ability. I just think there's a higher variance of, of he probably has a higher ceiling than wit also probably has a lower floor in my opinion, but I don't know. Maybe I just like wit over Abrams, just a personal preference, but that's a tough choice to make either way. If you have to pick between the two, it is man. And I mean, Hey, the, the margins we're talking about here are razor thin, right? Yeah. These, these differences are, 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 these are, these are paper thin for sure. I mean, and ask I- me tomorrow. My answer could be different. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Depending on which side of your, your body you sleep on tonight, you could wake up with the CJ. But I, for me, it's interesting that you say that, that when you're talking about floors and ceilings, because I guess I sort of see a higher ceiling for wit, but I'm a little bit concerned about the floor. Whereas Abrams, sort of because I think his, right now, at least his, his shown and evidenced contact abilities are just a tick above what I think he lacks is that power projection. If Bobby Witt ends up hitting 35 home runs in a season, that's not going to be like, I'm not going to be surprised if that actually ends up happening a couple of times. If Abrams does that, I will be shocked if, if like, I don't think that that is coming. And, you know, a lot of that's tied to, to speed. A lot of his value is tied to speed anyway. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that's what it came down to for me as well. You know, if, if anything in my head nagging, was sort of Abrams and, and wit. Um, and, you know, maybe I'm just falling in love with the fact that he hit over 400 in his debut season and no one can get him out. And he's playing for San Diego and not the Royals. Like all those things are swirling, but yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's no wrong answer. Maybe there is actually with Luciano and, and Wander, but there's, there's no, <laughs> you know, there's no right answer necessarily between, between wit and Abrams. I am excited to see what both of them do. And, Unfortunately, they, I mean, we'll see if they both end up a shortstop. Abrams might get pushed to the outfield or who knows. There's a lot of amazing. <laughs> and you could almost go with Abrams just because it's going to be harder for him to break through all that's happening in San Diego. Whereas if Whip performs, he's going to be in the majors, you know, playing alongside those guys in, in Kansas City. Yeah. Again, they're both so, so good. I, I could flip tomorrow. Um, I actually just made a trade in a fantasy league for Bobby Witt. So maybe Ooh. that's what's, what's making me say that I, uh, I'm uh, here for for Wit. I want to want to save him so he can keep surviving on. But I, I've always kind of had I've been 
fairly vocal about having questions on Abrams from the draft. Obviously, he did really well in his debut. Makes it hard for me to question that. Both have very, very bright futures. Yeah, that is certainly something we can agree on, man. Well, uh, well, yeah, I think uh, I think we've covered some good names. We've had some good uh, good back and forth. You know, we've thrown some dudes out that are maybe going to be not on people's radar and going to be a little bit polarizing. We've uh, we've shouted out our man Joe Drake. So yeah, I feel like all in all, we can we can call it a successful podcast. Do you got anything else to add before I close this out? No, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, this is, again, the On the Farm podcast for the Pitcher List Podcast Network. You can check us out on Twitter at On the Farm PL. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to give show updates there. We're going to do some calls for, for questions potentially. So definitely give us a follow and uh, keep, us, keep us close to your hearts. And we'll be giving you as much minor league baseball content and fantasy dynasty related content going forward. But uh, yeah, for uh, for Trevor Huth, I am Kyle Brown. You can catch me on Twitter at Caught Looking with a V instead of a U. And I believe Huth is just at Huth Trevor. Get him there. Uh, you'll definitely be getting some very funny self-effacing jokes if you give Trevor a follow. Uh, so yeah, with that, I bid you all farewell. Farewell.